Uh, let's pray together. Father, now as we come to your word, we, we thank you for the gift that it is to our lives. We ask that you use it to change us, to bring us joy, rejoicing in our King, Jesus. We pray this in his name and God's people said, amen. Christmas, Christmas time is such a wonderful time, isn't it? It's, it's a very wonderful time. It is. Uh, nostalgia and experience, they often hold hands, right? They, we remember the Christmases past and they kind of mingle themselves into the memories we're making here in the present. Um, there's wonders and delights and joy. Uh, we see it on the faces of our loved ones. We, we feel it within as our um, loved ones are with us. Um, I mean, I've got a whole row of kids. Um, my wife couldn't even sit with them because they fill up a whole row. Um, it's beautiful. Um, our eyes have beheld so much over the season, right? Decorations, lights. I know some of you did Christmas Adam and you went and looked at lights maybe. Um, Christmas Adam comes before Christmas Eve, if you didn't know that. Uh, it's not my joke. It's McCoslin's joke. But we've seen Christmas movies, table settings, the joy of our loved ones opening presents. We've seen food and delicacies. Some of us who are a little bit neurotic, we've seen all the wrapping paper all over the floor. and We want to pick it up quickly. That's why everybody got a trash bag this morning. And me, uh, see, I'm this big, nostalgic ginger bear, right? I love all of it, seeing and savoring, delighting, and everything about Christmas time. But I want you to take a couple of minutes here, and I want you to consider with me all that you've seen. Remember it all, think about it, and have it in your mind. Now I want you to consider the darkness of not seeing those things. Maybe even close your eyes. Consider the experience of not seeing Christmas. Consider the darkness of knowing that you cannot see and you'll never see. That's a sad consideration, is it not? The thought of darkness, of blindness, especially during this time, weighs heavily and it's a starting contrast to the Christmas season, isn't it? Darkness, blindness, in comparison to the joy and the visual delicacy of Christmas time. The Bible often upholds for us visual contrasts. It's replete with the contrast between light and darkness, as well as the contrast between seeing and blindness. And the Gospel of Luke is no stranger to these things. In fact, as, as Luke compiled all the historical information, all the eyewitness accounts, he made sure he highlighted these kinds of events for his readers. And Luke tells us from the very beginning of his Gospel account that he wants his readers to know with certainty that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, God's Christ. And so throughout the Gospel, Luke shows us how the Old Testament expectations of the Messiah found their fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus. However, as we've seen when people encountered Jesus, some saw him for who he was, while others did not. By faith, some saw Jesus 
as God's promised Messiah and responded to him in faith, while others, despite his powerful ministry, despite the gamut of miracles that revealed the kingdom of God was in their midst, despite all this, these refused to believe. Our passage this morning from Luke, just outside Jericho on the road to Jerusalem, Jesus encounters a blind man. And what we see is that this blind man had considerable faith in Jesus. If you're a guest with us, our sermon series has been in the Gospel of Luke, and while this morning's passage doesn't seem like a Christmas passage, I believe by the end we will see together how this encounter provides us with a beautiful Christmas picture. The fulfillment of God's promise to send a Messiah wrapped up in all the glories of the Gospel found in the incarnation of Jesus given to us as a precious gift this Christmas morn and revealed to us through the eyes of a blind man's heart. Let's look together at Luke 18, 35 through 43. Here's God's word. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see. And he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Lord, help us to give praise to you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. As readers of Luke's gospel, the blind man's faith reveals to us the most important thing that you and I could ever know. The most important thing that you and I must see for ourselves In order to be saved, you must see your need for a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the Savior you need. In order to be saved, you must see your need for a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the Savior you need. First, you must see your need. In Luke 18, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. We've we've seen this over the last several weeks. Um, He's going to Jerusalem where he would be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And along the way, he's been teaching people about the kingdom of God, about salvation and what it means to follow him and discipleship. And as discussed earlier, along the way, we've, we've seen these contrasting pictures, contrasting characters, contrasting situations. Last week, we saw a lot of contrast. Within the crowd, following Jesus, people were bringing infants to him to be blessed. And Jesus explained that the kingdom of God belongs to some, such as these, because you have to be dependent on God's grace and mercy. Infants are utterly dependent on God's grace and mercy given to them through the parents that God gives them, right? And in contrast to the infants who had nothing and dependent on others, we met the rich young ruler who had everything. He had everything, and he came and he asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to enter the kingdom? And lovingly, Jesus confronted this man's heart and revealed that while He considered himself righteous, having done all that God commanded. Jesus told him in order to enter the kingdom, there was still one thing that he lacked. 
He had to sell it all, give to the poor, and then come and follow him. What happened to the rich young ruler? He walked away sad, right? He walked away sad because he was unwilling to let go of all that he had in this life. And so these types of contrasts continue with the disciples and now this blind man we just read about. Jesus, for a third time, right before this passage, pulled the disciples aside and said, specifically, this is what's going to happen to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to kill me so that all that's written about the Son of Man and the Scriptures can be accomplished. But though he said that with such specificity, the disciples didn't understand what he said. But yet outside Jericho, there's a blind man, and this blind man sees and understands something that the disciples could not at this time. From Jericho, Jesus and his disciples would enter the last leg of his journey towards Jerusalem. There's about 15 miles and 3,400 feet that they would have to traverse upwards. Jericho is probably the lowest place on earth, 825 feet below sea level, and they'd have to go 3,400 feet up to Jerusalem on the Jericho Road. And outside the city along the road was a blind beggar. And like the babes who depended on others, this man was dependent on the kindness of those who traveled the Jericho Road on their way uh, in pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Begging was the only profession he was fit for. As the blind in the first century were utterly destitute, they were viewed as unnormal. Some sin had been the cause of their blindness was the common perception. This blind man couldn't be more different than the rich young ruler, right? The man's eyes didn't work, but his ears sure did, right? Because the calamity of a crowd grabs his attention. He could hear them. It's, a, it's quite a crowd and not the common jingle jangle of the people going up to Jerusalem. This is something bigger. This was something different. And with his curiosity peaked, the guy asked those around him, what's going on? And they said, what? Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And with excitement, he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now the crowd t- tries to get this guy to shut up. He can't be bothered. Jesus can't be bothered. Leave him alone. Don't, don't bother. But the guy's like, son of David, have mercy on me. His cries are reminiscent of David's petition in Psalm 51. David says, be gracious to me. Also could say, have mercy on me, God. According to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Unlike the rich young ruler, the blind man had an acute awareness of his need. This man is aware of his need. He needs compassion. He needs healing. The rich young ruler was wealthy but could not see his spiritual poverty. The blind man outside Jericho was in poverty both physically and spiritually the state of which he was well aware, so he cries out to Jesus for mercy. The blind man needs restoration to the created order. The blind man needs God's redemption. And you and I need the same thing. You see, eyes were meant for seeing, right? When sin came into the world, it brought the darkness and the brokenness of corruption brought upon by sin, and the created order was broken, Sin and death led to both spiritual and the physical malady of blindness. People are spiritually blind, unable to see God for who he is and what he's done for them. And they're also physically blind, some. But that's not the way it's supposed to be, friend. God has brought redemption. In Jesus Christ, 
God has answered the cry of the blind man that echoes the cry of David. In Jesus Christ, God has given us the fullest expression of his mercy. The blind man outside Jericho knew how to beg, but when it came to what he really needed, he cried out in desperation to the only one he believed could grant it to him. The blind man needed someone to rescue him from the world of darkness that he existed in, the world of darkness that we all exist in. And with the eyes of faith, he saw his need and he saw his Savior. Which brings us to our next point. See the Savior. See, the blind man saw Jesus as the Savior. He saw Jesus as the only one who could show him mercy, the mercy that he truly needed. He knew and believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. Luke, Luke wants us to understand this as his readers. And Jesus' interaction with the man begs us to see this for ourselves. Further, the word of God begs us to respond like the blind man. Notice how the blind man calls out to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In Luke's gospel, we've heard this connection to David before. In the Annunciation, when Gabriel announced the birth to Mary. We heard it earlier as Chris read it for us. In chapter 1, Luke told us that the angel Gabriel was sent to a virgin betrothed to Joseph, Joseph, and Joseph was a descendant of the line of David, line of King David. And as we heard in our Advent readings, like, like I said, the angel Gabriel said unto Mary, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. The messianic expectation of the promised Savior was that he would fulfill the promise God had given to David, the king, that an offspring would sit on the throne forever. The promise God gave to David was that his offspring, one of his offspring, would, would send, he would send a king from his offspring who would be the forever king, the forever king who would bring God's kingdom, who would bring salvation. And Luke's narrative described God's sovereign orchestration of world events. What we celebrate at Christmas, he created this registration so that all people had to return to their birthplace, the birthplace of their lineage. Joseph had to return to Bethlehem, the city of David at that time. And it was there that Mary gave birth, fulfilling the Old Testament expectations in Micah 5, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. When Jesus was born, angels made this announcement to lowly shepherds in Luke 2, verse 10. Don't be, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. What's incredible about the blind man's proclamation, what's incredible about his plea to mercy outside Jericho to Jesus, was that the blind man is the first confession in Luke's gospel, outside the Annunciation, that he is the son of David. This blind man made a connection that others had not. That this, in fact, Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, so he calls out to the son of David. Somehow, he had heard all that Jesus was doing, and in his mind and in his heart, he believed that this was the one God had promised to send. This was the one who would break the darkness. This was the light that was coming into the world. This was the son of David. This was God's Messiah. He believed the promises of God that he had read. 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah spoke these words of promise. Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And then verse 6, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness. From now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, will accomplish this. This blind man believed that Jesus was the Messiah. How blessed are those who believe without seeing, right? The blind man saw Jesus as the Savior. The man's persistent cries, they reach the Lord's ears, and he stops. And look at verse 40 of chapter 18. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man could have asked for multiple things. He could have asked to be released from his poverty. He could have asked for, you know, Cadillac Escalade, he could ask for anything, right? But what does he say? He asked to experience restoration of what was broken. Lord, he said, I want to see. And notice his further confession. Jesus was the son of David, and the blind man knew that Jesus was the Lord. Jesus says, receive your sight. And this is so important. Jesus says, receive your sight, your faith has saved you. Now, for the Lord to say that to a person, the Lord has to see, and the Lord sees much deeper than, than we can see. He sees down into the depths of our soul, into our hearts, and he says, your faith has saved you. Jesus is telling us that this man displayed saving faith. In chapter 18, 26, last week, we saw the disciples asking the question, you know, after Jesus gives this big explanation, you know, the rich, it's going to be hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And that day, everybody thought, hey, if they're rich, they're getting God's favor. They must be blessed. They must enter the kingdom of God. They must, it must be given to them. But Jesus is like, no, it's easier for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle. And they're like, well, then who can be saved? And Luke wants us to see, here in our current passage, we are meant to understand the answer. Those who have the faith like this blind man have can be saved. If you have the faith that this blind man had, you can be saved. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of David, the promised one who was to come, you can be saved. The Bible tells us in verse 43 that instantly he could see and he began to follow him and glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. There's an uproar of joy, an uproar of worship, because Jesus has performed a miracle fulfilling what he said he would do. Giving sight to the blind, setting the captives free. Right? He said that back in that Galilean synagogue. Fulfilling the prophet Isaiah's words. The man responded in faith and then followed Jesus. The blind man saw with the eyes of his heart the truth about Jesus and expressed it thoroughly with his confession. And that day, the physical darkness of his existence was broken by the light of God. And he experienced redemption. His eyes were restored. This man could then be held with visual senses. Jesus. Luke wants us to respond this way. Luke wants you to respond this way. Are you fully aware of your need? 
Do you see it? We're, we all are needy. The Bible tells us that our sin is a real and it's a tangible malady. You can look out at the world and you know that sin is real, right? Evil exists. And the Bible tells us how it came into the world. The Bible tells us that our sin is a real and tangible malady, but the Bible also points us to the hope of God's promise. God has sent a remedy, friends. God has sent a remedy, beloved. He has sent his son Jesus. God has promised to send a Savior, and guess what? He has done it. He has done it. Jesus is the, cel- is the Savior we celebrate at Christmas time. He stepped from the glories of eternity into this world to rescue sinners. What a gift. From the glorious light of heaven and into this darkness of this world, he came to bring us hope, hope to the lost. For up to ourselves, we are hopeless before him. Nothing in us could ever restore our relationship to God. Nothing could fix what was broken. But in love, God sent Jesus who lived a perfect and holy life, what we could never live. And then God crushed his son on the cross. Jesus went to the cross, bore our sin. He died and was buried. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Because Jesus rose from the grave. And the Bible says that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and believes in their heart that he is the Lord and that he rose from the grave, you will be saved. If you have faith, like this blind man outside Jericho, you will be saved. If you have faith that the promise that God said he would send, the first Christmas, you believe that Jesus has come, you can be saved. So therefore, friend, you are called to believe. You are called to respond like the man on the Jericho Road. See your need. You're a sinner in need of mercy and grace. See the Savior. You've been given a gift. God has sent his son. God has sent his son in your place to live and die, to rise again, to give us a foretaste. And so, respond in faith. In order to be saved, you must see your need for a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the Savior you need. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you that you use the blind man's faith to stir in us a joy. A joy that brings us to worship. That helps us worship our Savior Jesus. Lord, we thank you for breaking the darkness. We can't fathom the kind of love that you've shown us. That you would love sinners who are rebels against you. That you would send your son into poverty, into this broken world, laid in a manger, laid in a feeding trough. Living a life of poverty, free of sin. Innocent, but dying a death that we deserved. Lord, we thank you. Help us this Christmas, we pray. In your name, amen.